insurance companies have been good at collecting data. They have been poor at storing data in a way that makes it highly usable, and they have exacerbated that by storing it in silos. Hello, welcome to the Instec London podcast. This is Matthew Grant, one of the partners at Instec London. For this episode, I'm really pleased to be talking to an old friend and somebody who has an excellent perspective on what is happening in InsurTech. The launch of a new InsurTech fund, Brewer Lane Partners, was announced earlier this month and Martha Nataris will be managing partner along with founder John Kim. Martha was formerly part of the team at Excel Innovate who have been investing successfully in startups such as Lemonade, Cape Analytics and Slice. Martha herself has many years of experience in identifying and investing in technology companies both in and outside of insurance. As well as meeting hundreds of people each year, Martha also finds time to write the occasional article, including her predictions for the year ahead, which we're going to be talking a bit about in this episode. Look out for a link in the episode notes for her top picks for 2020. So let's hear what Martha had to say when I spoke to her earlier this week. Martha, Happy New Year. It's great to get a chance to talk to you. I know you've got a huge amount going on, but wonderful to see the breaking news about Brewer Lane Ventures. Uh, I guess before we jump into that, it might be useful just to get a very quick history of yourself. A few people out there that don't know you, then they'd be really interested to learn a little bit about what you're doing with Brewer Lane. Sure. A uh, quick potted biography, uh, commercial banking, investment banking. Uh, then I uh, went to work uh, in the media sector at Time and moved over to the Daily Mail where I got to build their business technology division. And uh, one of my big investments in that era was Risk Management Solutions, RMS, which really introduced me to insurance and the importance of data and analytics in insurance. And Fast forward, oh, another few years, and um, Tom Hutton was putting together XL Innovate uh, as a VC fund and asked me to come along, and that was a tremendous ride, and now um, I'm able to put that experience, all of that experience to use with Brewer Lane Ventures, which is going to be focusing on fintech and insurtech with a much broader view than we were able to take at Excel Innovate. And of course, you and I first came across each other back, I think in 1998, when DMGT acquired RMS. So it's been you know, great seeing all the other organizations you've been involved with. I think I'd say there are many different definitions of influencers out there in the uh, in the insurance world or insurtech world. And I think you, for the right reasons, you you come to the top in many different ways. So it's, uh, it's always good to see what you write about. And as I think you, you know well, because I think you cultivate it and you, and you do a good job of it, you've, you're happy calling out what you see for good and bad. So it's always very refreshing to get your perspective on the world. Uh, well, thanks, Matthew. So just talking about Brewer Lane, just l- looking at some of the, the press information out there, I know there's a limit to how much you can disclose with these kind of organizations, but just reading up and also quoting back to you some of the things that that have been written about you, which is that you're a, obviously a new, a new firm, um, a new managing partner, so congratulations on, on heading it up. Also looks like you're going to be getting involved in life and health as well as p 
PNC? Because it'd be good just to get a bit of perspective of what your, your goals are going to be for the uh, fund. Absolutely. And I think that uh, one of the things that's exciting for me is uh, the founder and managing partner that I'll be working with is John Kim, who was president and chief investment officer at New York Life most recently, but has basically been investing for his entire career. And in fact, I tend to think of Excel Innovate as being on uh, the early end of investing in InsureTech because we started in 2015. Uh, John saw the trend even before we did, and his venture fund started investing in 2012. They've put money to work in a couple of the really uh, successful businesses like Health IQ, Data Robot, and H2O. And I think. One of the things that we bring is very different experience, both from an uh, investment point of view as well as the operating point of view. Absolutely, John has a lot more experience and really huge depth in the life benefits annuity type uh, market. And my experience is primarily on the property and casualty side. But I think what's really positive is that we're looking to knit that experience together into a much more nuanced investment team where we're working together and making sure that we're getting the benefit of all the experience rather than creating any kind of silos. But we do expect to invest across the entire spectrum of insurance. And I think that that's very different for me because there were a lot of good deals that I saw at Excel Innovate that just weren't in my wheelhouse. And I think now I have a lot bigger wheelhouse and obviously that's pretty exciting. And also I guess there's, there's a convergence you know, to some extent between what's happening even in what traditionally would be called FinTech insurance, life and health, PNC, so presumably it gives you more chance to get a broader exposure, you know, some of these companies that are coming together or, or analytics that are coming together. Absolutely. And I think that our expectation is the substantial majority of our portfolio will be in SureTech with some fintech, but I also expect that there will be companies that uh, if you look at it from a different angle, you could call it a fintech, you could call it an InsureTech. And I guess that actually speaks directly to one of the comments that we've made, which is that we are looking for companies that use technology to improve people's lives. And I don't want you to get the idea that we're an impact fund. That's not where, where we are. But we are looking to do things like make uh, insurance easier to use and reduce risk in people's lives with the ultimate goal of reducing the protection gap. And reducing the protection gap is good for everybody because not only does it give more people, and this would be on the consumer side as well as the commercial side, not only does it cover more risks for more um, entities, but obviously, it's also good for the insurance companies in terms of building their business and keeping them on their toes to really provide the kind of coverage that the market is looking for, which I think is one of the things that the InsurTech movement has really pushed the incumbents on. Presumably, that's also looking for opportunities where previously 
risk was thought to be uninsurable because the data wasn't good enough, the risk wasn't defined, and if you can find companies that can help analyze it, and I guess cyber is probably the most recent example where we've seen the changes, then you open up a whole new opportunity for insurers as well as bringing new ways of looking at existing risks into the market, don't you? Well, I think cyber is one example, um, and I think what's really interesting about cyber, and in some ways, I think it's representative of some of the other risks in the market, but one of the big pieces of news about cyber is the past is not a good guide to the future, and a great deal of insurance analytics has been based on the concept that if you can tell me what happened over the past 20 years, I can evaluate that risk. But what we're seeing is, and cyber is a great example of this, risks that mutate and evolve, and therefore we absolutely know that these are not, uh, that the past is not a good guide. I think that climate change is going to be another one of those risks that is the past is not going to give us good information. And that doesn't matter whether you're talking about flooding or wildfires, because if you look at the past couple of years, it is hard to have predicted those uh, events based on the, uh, the, the past history. And so I think you, you're going to see a lot more sophisticated modeling. And in some ways, just to draw for a moment on our shared RMS DNA, uh, it kind of reminds me of the early terrorism models that RMS put together where they used Monte Carlo simulation because it was an entirely different kind of problem. Yeah, I mean, I noticed in your predictions for 2020, you'd called out both cyber and, and climate change. And that area of forecasting, as you're talking about it, it's just, it does seem to be a new theme that's coming out. I mean, we've talked a lot about data and analytics. There's a few things that you know, you've also pointed out, taking some time to get off the ground like blockchain. But this whole area of getting into forecasting, which has got its own challenges, but for the people that can help I guess, recategorize the forward-looking view of risk, as you say, as opposed to the, the backward view of risk, are, are going to be very investable. But of course, there's a bit of a buyer beware label that goes on those because it's, it's tough, tough to get the right call, particularly with things like climate change, where you've got so many variables in there. And the, it, it, do, you, do, you say, so do you see that as being a combination of the actual forecasting, but also it just raises the profile of things like you know, wildfire is obviously very relevant just now and and flooding, you know, almost independent of the need to forecast it. It's just there's more, there's more background risks that people need to understand the impact of that. I think that one of the things that's really interesting to me about InsureTech is that um, it has identified um, where the traditional insurance industry has not been as uh, incisive and detailed. So some of the work that needs to get done is literally working harder with data to make sure that the data you have is better data and that it is readily accessible. Because I think insurance companies have been good at collecting data. They have been poor at storing data in a way that makes it highly usable. And they have exacerbated that by storing it in silos. So I think the first step, and there are insure techs that are going to do extremely well out of this business, the first 
step is getting the in, uh, insurers to be able to access their own data and going forward to store their own data and their own analytics in a way that makes them nimble and capable of learning from their own experience. And I think that that has been something that has been lost over time. It's obviously, um, I, I know that uh, around the, uh, the um, uh, Lloyd's Coffee Shop uh, uh, hundreds of years ago, that was being done, but I think it, it, that has, uh, that's a bit of a lost art. And I think the that there are insure techs that are bringing that back. Yeah, there's a kind of clarity of data if you're recording it with a quill pen and a ledger versus sticking it into multiple electronic databases that are then difficult to link together. But uh, so it comes back to my earlier my early observation or question for you around what you've seen in the last five years. I mean, that ability for insurance companies to be able to extract their own data seems like it just should be a fundamental skill that every organization should be able to tap into. So what, what do you think is happening that they... The, the companies are struggling to even be able to understand what they've already already written and bring that together in a sort of coherent way. Well, I think that um, one of the the big issues is that the incumbent insurers have built themselves uh, to move forward on a specific path, and I think that. Uh, at the time that they have been built, and with all organizations, I think this is probably true, they've, they've optimized around one set of offerings and one, one approach. And now I think they're being faced with a market that's demanding other offerings. And that is, um, the insurtechs are coming in and acting a lot more quickly. And uh, one of the books I, I read over vacation was... Um, a book called Misbehaving by Richard Thayer, uh, who uh, is a Nobel Prize winning economist, uh, who talks about uh, irrational spending, among other things. And one of the things he talks about is if you want people to do something, you have to make it easy. And I think that that is a fundamental concept that the insurtechs have really adopted, and the incumbents have taken longer to realize that that is something that everybody values, whether that's as a consumer or whether that's as a professional sitting in a chair who needs to buy insurance for their business. In your predictions for 2020, one of them was that you see that it's clear that full stack insurers and carriers are winning. And I guess it's a sort of related question to that then and what you just said is, do you think it is going to be possible for the incumbent insurers to be able to move into this into this new world, this sort of full stack digital uh, you know, on this data issue about being able to redesign themselves so they can get access to data, or is is there still going to be a need for either acquisitions, which you also talked about, or some very well funded disruptors to come in with a kind of clean sheet to be able to build a, build a company from from fresh? I mean, who do you think is going to win out in this? You know, looking forward now. Well, you know, Matthew, I'm going to say all of the above. Uh, but I, I do think that one of the things that is going to be really interesting is, okay, uh, Prudential uh, just plunked down a couple of bucks on uh, assurance. Uh, if you think of, uh, you know, uh, over $2 billion uh, plus uh, over a billion dollars earn out as a couple of bucks. And I think one of the things that that is going to embolden other insurers is to say, wait, are there 
are there insurtechs in the market who have built a set of pipes that I could put more of my own business through? So I absolutely think that this is going to be, uh, that is a wake-up call to the incumbent insurers to say, we should evaluate whether there are uh, whether there are insurtechs in the market that we want to actually acquire. Another thing that happened uh, this past year, obviously, was Munich Re uh, putting uh, $250 million into Next Insurance. They're, they laid their bet for SME through Next Insurance and put someone from the management committee on that, the board. Um, I feel that uh, there are probably some uh, traditional insurers who can make the switch themselves. But I suspect that the way that that will happen is that they will bring in new teams because the traditional technology groups within insurers are being kept too busy refreshing old systems. And they, they literally don't have time. So I, I think that more resources of some kind really have to go in. And I'm not sure that traditional insurers have internalized how big the internal investment in IT would have to be to make this happen versus whether the right answer is going to be an acquisition. The, just one, come back on your cyber one, though, and, and to some extent climate change. I mean, one of the reasons that RMS was successful 20 years ago is because there was a, there was a combination of some very large events. Regulators came in and said companies needed to model risk, and there was a real step change that drove the need for, for analytics. But are you seeing anything when you look out there, any, any dramatic shifts that would drive you know, faster adoption of the technology that's out there, you know, a real sense of a burning platform for companies, either insurance companies or, or technology organizations? It's really interesting because you would have thought that the Sony hack would have scared the heck out of people. And obviously, there are certain state actors that are doing some uh, pretty uh, depressing things. It, it's very clear that the capabilities in terms of cyber from malevolent people is really, uh, they, they're really stepping up. What I worry about is that we are kind of getting used to this and we're accepting it in the same way that we've accepted that we gave up our privacy. And so I, I do think that a, a major catastrophic loss would help that market significantly. I, I think right now people feel maybe they need to have cyber insurance. And I think that a small proportion of companies and small companies especially are thinking about it, but I, I don't think people are thinking about that in a big enough way. But I don't know what it takes. I know that some states uh, have taken a position that cyber insurance is important, and so we may see regulators step in state by state on that front, but I, I agree with you. There, there's actually nothing like a, a, a major catastrophe to drive the market. I think it's also it's a kind of linked to what you said earlier about making things easier. People tend to react to the the events or losses that are right in front of them or they, you know, they've experienced personally and that's why or all the regulators are actually forcing them to change. That's why until we get a big catastrophic cyber risk, it's difficult to see anything happening significantly different. But I mean, everyone gets that there is a loss potential. The other one I want to touch on was, was this idea about platforms and ecosystems and how the technology all fits together. Are you seeing anything strong themes coming through or any strong organizations that are starting to pull together the different insure tech companies, the data, the analytics, and 
present those up in a coherent way? I've certainly seen more InsurTech step up to enable incumbents. And I think drawing a little bit back to your innovation group comment before, uh, I think one of the things that we're also starting to see is the incumbent insurers, or at least sort of the leading edge of incumbent insurers, are starting to make major commitments to some of the platform companies to say, yes, we want to move an entire business line onto your platform because this is a modern platform and it's going to be capable of change versus the platform that we have it on. We were going to have to migrate off of that at some point anyway. And, and the new offering by an outside party is actually uh, the, the platform that we're choosing. And so one of the things I think we're seeing is a move from doing pilots within innovation group to the insurtech sitting down to talk with the business group solving a business problem that pre-exists so i think that there is a maturing overall of that ecosystem but to your other question as to whether i've seen somebody really pull together the strands of some of these data and analytics i haven't seen that yet um, I, I have seen some interesting things going on in the insurtech side in terms of pulling together uh, some M&A from, so we have Hippo acquiring Shelter, uh, just saw um, that Bold Penguin acquired Exagent. So we're starting to see some of those insurtechs try to both move to scale and find people who solved a problem that they had that maybe wasn't uh, they didn't want to solve on their own, but someone else having solved it, they'll go scoop that up. Thank you. And I think that that is going to help us in the market in terms of getting the insurtechs to start scaling and also to some extent cleaning up some of the insurtechs that are more single solution who perhaps ended up being more of a product than a company. Yeah, it's that interoperability as well. I mean, there's only so many different products that an insurance organization can work with. So it does seem we're going to see more consolidation on the technology side and, and actually the emergence of multiple platforms and hopefully you know, moving beyond just APIs, but easier ways to be able to link the data together. Um, you've been at this now for five years. I know at one point you were sort of frustrated by the speed with which you saw organizations adopting some of the new technology. Do you see now that the pace is picking up? I think I will always be frustrated by the speed of insurance. But that said, I see a big difference between where we are in 2020 and where we were in 2015, where in the early days, um, I don't think insurers felt like they were ready to dismiss InsurTech as Um, a small hobby by a couple of tech geeks who didn't understand insurance. And then we went through the tourism phase uh, where uh, one of my fellow VCs uh, once said, as we were sitting at uh, uh, a conference, it's the parade of the middle managers. 
And they were there on a fact-finding mission trying to understand whether InsureTech was something that was going to go forward. And now I think we have really penetrated the boardroom and the higher level within the insurance companies that they're understanding that the old way is not doing it. So I, I think that there, it has been much more gradual than I had expected. I suppose five years in the life of the insurance industry is not as gradual as I think it is. That's probably lightning speed. But um, I think that where we are now, there are absolutely leaders in the insurance industry who are seeing that InsurTech is no joke and they need to get with the program, whether that is through acquisition or whether it is also through developing their own digital capabilities. And probably the winners are the ones who um, look at both of those paths and create an organization that is no longer afraid of change, which I think is a problem across many, many industries, not just insurance. Yeah, and it's, and it's hard to do as well, but it is good to hear that it's, it's moved from the is it relevant? Does it matter? To it is important now. How do we how do we figure it out and figure it out at scale? Um, you've got an incredibly busy life. We're calling pretty early in the morning, uh, California time. You, but you, fortunately, you, might, you have had time to read some books over the break. But I mean, how do you sort of gather the information that you need to be successful? I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. What what do you find is the most efficient way? And how would you recommend people tap into sources of information to understand what's going on and who the real strong companies are out there. Yeah, and I think that there, there obviously all of us probably read and, and listen to podcasts um, from the same uh, sources in terms of the, the very common market sources. There are a couple of really good in-depth um, quarterly reports that come out uh, that uh, I've always enjoyed, uh, and there are certainly uh, daily resources that I use. But I think that what really sets apart uh, Brewer Lane Ventures, as an example, uh, is the networks. And I think that those networks are really built up over time. Um, and finding people who you trust and that uh, are, are aware of both trends in the market and of great entrepreneurs. And I think that those are, the, the cultivating the network is probably the most important thing. And it's probably what I spend uh, a significant amount of my time on. Um, in my new role, I actually have a little pie chart of uh, what I, I should be spending my time on. So I'll let you know as the year progressive, progresses whether I achieve those, uh, those goals. Well, I hope, I hope talking to me is, is on the right place in your pie chart and not, not outside of it as part of it. One thing I did want to come back at you um, with, uh, Matthew, is I do want to be really clear about what kinds of investments Brewer Lane's going to be um, focusing on. And I know that uh, we talked about uh, targeting Series A and B. We'll really be looking at three things, um, new business models, enabling incumbents and data and analytics. And then when we are talking about size, I think that that was a question that you asked me offline. We'll probably look at investing five to $10 million and leading the right deals. So our expectation is that uh, there are a lot of 
companies that have started to get serious traction. And some of these companies are companies that John and I have known for some time. So they are now in a position that they're raising their A or B. And I think we're going to have, a, this is going to be a, a really a fun journey. Good. Well, thank you for clarifying that. And, and I'm just going to add on to your point about the network, which is, yeah, it's so true of insurance and it's equally true of investing. I believe that although we're kind of pushing more into digital area, the personal relationships and networks are such an important part of this to, to as you said, to really get to the truth that's out there and get some context around it. So I guess finally on that one, if people want to contact you, what's the best way just to people to learn more about Brewer Lane or speak to your organization? Probably the best pipeline in is Chris Downer. Uh, so he's Chris at BrewerLane.com. But uh, we, we have a website and uh, I'm sure that we will be out in the market a lot more. I think this is a big uh, launch time for us in terms of making our presence known and reminding people that there's a, a new VC in town. Great. Well, Martha, it's been tremendous talking to you. I hope you're over in London uh, and we've got some of our events going on. We can lure you onto stage uh, to, to say a few things to the, the market over here. But it's been great spending some time with you. I will let you get back to filling in the right sections of your pie chart. And thank you very much. Thank you. My thanks to Martha for recording that early in the morning from LA and our best wishes for the success of Brewer Lane. You can find out more about all of our podcast guests, including transcripts and summaries of our discussions, plus a whole lot more about what we're up to at www.instec.london. Our community is growing rapidly, so if you're looking for help in finding your business partners, clients, or other companies to help you, whatever you do, please do make contact. And of course, if you like what you hear, we're always welcome the feedback, and please do pass in recommendations to others.